Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Lord, as we come to your word today, direct us in it. May your spirit be the teacher behind the teaching. The enabler in those who hear. Give all discernment and have your way in our church and in the life of each person through the teaching, through the proclamation of your word, for your glory, for each one's blessing, and that the joy of all would be made full. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been here the last few uh, Sundays. Uh, I obviously want you to remember uh, those well-done ribs, ribs, R-I-B-S, those uh, four foundational works of the Holy Spirit, regeneration, indwelling, baptism, sealing. I want you to remember those. These uh, Regeneration, the, the Holy Spirit imparts to us spiritual life. He gives us a, a, a spiritual life from God that we didn't have before. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. I stands for indwelling. Since Acts chapter 2, since the event of Acts chapter 2, uh, there's a new kind of ministry of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within all the time every believer in Jesus Christ. B stands for baptism, not water baptism, uh, but being just as the baptizer places somebody in the water, the Holy Spirit places us into the body of Christ, makes us a part of Christ's body. And the S stands for sealing. The Holy Spirit seals us for the day of redemption. The, uh, we marks us as God's property, Ephesians 1 says. Marks us as God's property, guarantees that we will arrive at our ultimate destination. The Holy Spirit is the seal and does the sealing. It's written, it's, it's both ways in Ephesians 1.13. And the Holy Spirit ministers to us in this way powerfully. If you're in Christ, if you're a believer, in the, in the area of our identity you know, our regeneration, our spiritual DNA, our, our uh, ability or competence in his indwelling, our sense of family, our sense of belonging in baptism, in this placing us into the body of Christ, and in terms of destiny and, and peace in ter- because of the uh, a sealing of the Holy Spirit. And so I, I obviously want you to remember those, but today I want to kind of hone in on one of those things. Look more closely at one of them, and that's indwelling, because the Holy Spirit, or the, the, the Word, is, has a lot to say about what that means and what that does. You know, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in believers, but He does it, He makes His home indwelling. He makes His home in us, each, individually, if you're in Christ. He doesn't... He didn't move in uh, to make you his retirement home. You know, his, he's not there to just kind of kick up his heels and, you know, just and, and relax. It's more like an on-site, being on the job, being on-site. He's active and he's working. So what does he do? What does he do? So today, instead of ribs, although I've, I've pounded it at you one more time, Today we're going to play TAG, T-A-G, the indwelling Holy Spirit. He teaches, he assures, he guides. The T stands for teaching. 
The indwelling Holy Spirit teaches us. When, when Jesus was preparing his disciples for his return to the Father, and he was encouraging them with the promise of the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come in a new way. You know, at Pentecost, Acts 2, the Holy Spirit wasn't invented. He existed, you know, from eternity past. But he's, there's something new. He's going to be doing a, a new kind of thing. And, and in John 16, Jesus says, I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Well, maybe this guiding into all truth function of the Holy Spirit uh, is something that pertains to the apostles alone. In fact, well, there, there's some truth in that. The guiding into all truth function of the, of the Holy Spirit did have a kind of special and unique application to the, to the apostles you know that, that it doesn't have to to uh, Christians generally. Even in the passage I just cited, which is John 16, Jesus says, "He, the Holy Spirit, will declare to you all things that are to come." So, with the apostles, there's a strong prophetic element to the Holy Spirit guiding them into all truth and declaring to them things that are to come. That's not the case with all believers generally. 1 Corinthians asks, this is 12.29, all are not prophets, are they? And the answer, the expected answer is no. No, all are not prophets. So there, there, there is a unique aspect of the Holy Spirit's guiding into all truth ministry to the, to the apostles. You see it again in John 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus speaking, of course, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So there you have Jesus' endorsement of the Gospels and other apostolic writings uh, that did not exist yet. And you have, including Jesus' assurance, his guarantee, that their recall of what he said would be accurate, would be right. How did they, you know, the gospel's not written for decades. How did, they, how did they do this? How did they do this? Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, whom I send with the Father, is, you're going to be able to remember everything, everything that I taught. So you have the, this, this teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit really did have special application to the apostles but it wasn't just for the apostles. The Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, teaches you and I, too, and everyone who's in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12. Now, here it is, 12, 12. I'm sorry, 2. 1 Corinthians 2, 12. Now we have received. He's not talking about himself and other apostles. He's talking about all of us. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, listen to this, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We've been given the Holy Spirit that we might understand the things given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. That's not just the apostles, but anybody who teaches, anybody who teaches God's Word, Interpreting spiritual truths 
to those who are spiritual. The natural person, in other words, someone who does not have the indwelling spirit of God, just as they came, born into this world once but not born again, not regenerate, not having the indwelling Holy Spirit, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And then a couple of verses later, Paul says we can understand teaching about spiritual truth because, here's the quote, we have the mind of Christ. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelling within you thinks exactly like the risen Jesus Christ. They're they're synced up. They think the same thoughts. Uh, They're the same. And it's that indwelling Holy Spirit that enables you, is because He's in you, He's connected to you, He has access to, to you, and you have access to Him. He enables you to understand the things that God has told us to share in that. I was just a, not long ago, a couple couple days ago, I, I came across this story about Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk, a rich person, you know, the futurist kind of inventor, businessman, zillionaire. He he's talking up a a a brain computer interface venture that he calls Neuralink. The article was about whether this company, does it even exist? It just exists in his man, you know, they don't, does it even exist yet? He's just talking it up. Neuralink, Neuralink. Well, it's about creating devices that could be implanted in the brain, merging human brains with software and computer capability. He talks about improving human memory. Can you imagine, like, if you had the memory capacity of your computer, you know, had access to all... All those things. Uh, he talks about improving human memory and human performance. And, you know, I read that. I think, well, yeah, it sounds high-minded and great and everything. But you know what's really going to happen if if that's successful? You're going to be able to pull on your ear and see cat videos in your head, or you know, or you or you'll, you'll blink three times fast to skip a song in your playlist that's playing in your head. We have a way of trivializing all things. You know, this high-mindedness and going to improve human performance is probably not going to work like that. But the Holy Spirit, here's what made me bring it up with The Holy Spirit is way ahead of Elon Musk in this sort of thing. Because, because he in, indwells us so that we have within us and, and there's some, there is an interface between us and our thinking, our mind, and the mind of Christ. The mind of God. Which greater than your computer, by the way. You know, the, <laughs> the, the Apostle John in, in 1 John 2, he, he cites this indwelling Holy Spirit as the central, the most important resource that enables believers to, to sniff out, to recognize, to reject false teaching. This, this is uh, uh, 1 John 2, 26. I'll read it to you. I write these things 
to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. That's the indwelling Holy Spirit. The anointing that you received abides, lives in you. That's the indwelling Holy Spirit. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything. His spirit teaches you. And is true, and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. Now, John shouldn't be taken here to, to be saying that human teachers are unnecessary. And it's not just self-interest here. There's a lot of there are a lot of New Test a lot of New Testament teaching about the importance the, the the critical importance of teaching, you know, of of human teaching in the life of the church and in the life of the Christian. But what he is saying here is that we are not at the mercy of human teachers. We're not unarmed. When someone comes in and tries to teach us something false, it lead us in lead us in the wrong way. When the preacher preaches, the teacher teaches, the Holy Spirit within us enables us to weigh what is said, hold on to what is good, and to recognize, to reject where God's word is being distorted, where it's not right. And you were, and it goes beyond that. John's talking about false teaching. But listen, you are not on your own. If you're in Christ, you are not on your own when you open that Bible. It's not just you. There is enabling Holy Spirit that God's Word says that Jesus promises would teach you, enable you to understand. He's there. And he's not the Holy Spirit, not way up there in heaven only. Not way over there in Africa where the missionaries are doing their thing. He's in you. And, and the only thing to do is to yield to him. You don't have to get him to come, right? You don't have to pray him down. You know, the Holy Spirit, He's in you. The only thing you have to do is yield to Him. We were talking about filling last week. Yield. Open to Him. And, and remember, the indwelling Holy Spirit, I made this point about the ribs. We'll go there again just slightly. It's not something, it's not a goal of the Christian life to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's a fact of the Christian life. It's not something to be pursued. It's just something to be believed, to be received, to be depended on. Howard Hendricks, one of my profs, you may have read some of his stuff. He, he used to put the fear of God in us aspiring pastors by warning us that it was a great and grave sin to bore people with the word of God. He would plead with us. He did it, you know, it's one of the things he's known for saying, you know. He'd plead with us. If you're going to bore them in, bore them with geometry, bore them with geography, but don't bore them with the Word of God. It's a sin. There, there was a fellow student in my seminary years whose, whose last name was Boring. Yeah, and the place is full of aspiring pastors, you know. 
you know, they're going to be pastors. I, and I, I didn't know them, but I thought, what a burden. Oh, you met the church sign, you know, Pastor Dan, boring. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, it's too late for us, but save yourself. You know, run, run. It's a church for bored again Christians. Hendricks uh, threatened us with divine judgment for boring people with the Word of God, but I, I expect probably almost everybody who teaches is guilty of that sometimes. Vance Havner, uh, he's a Baptist preacher that some of you may know. He's been gone a number of years, but he used to say most pastors should either put more fire in their sermons or more of their sermons in the fire. <laughs> and and I, I try my best, and just about all preachers and teachers do with varying degrees of giftedness and success. But listen, there is also a, a boredom factor that arises from the one who hears not the one who's teaching. There are some people who glaze over as soon as the preacher says, turn in your Bibles to. And it isn't about a sorry preacher or a bad teacher, boring. It's because there's no indwelling Holy Spirit who has quickened the appetite for God's word to know, to hear and to know and to understand what God has said. There's no indwelling Holy Spirit that gives the capacity to receive. What First Corinthians say? They cannot understand. They cannot understand. Not because they will not. They cannot understand because it's spiritually discerned. It's it's spiritual words to those who are spiritual. There has to be a receptivity on the part of those who hear. If you, if you care about the teaching of God's Word enough to expose yourself to it, wherever and whenever you do that, you can thank the indwelling Holy Spirit of God who has made that the case. Who's done that in you? It, if you have an appetite for, as Jesus said, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? If you have an appetite for it, if when you hear, we'll say, we'll say good teaching, good teaching, or teaching that is good, teaching that is right, and you have a sense after that of having been fed, not that you just lost 30, 40 minutes, an hour, you know, but that you've been fed. You can thank God for His indwelling Holy Spirit who makes that to be the case, who teaches us, who teaches our spirit. And, and really, you also have an idea. When you think about this, this is what the, one of the things the indwelling Holy Spirit does. He teaches us. You have an idea of what will happen more often as you yield, as you draw close, 
as you, we were talking about filling, you know, as you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit, His will, His leading, His guiding, His ministry. If you, if you have those wonderful aha, you know, moments, you know, you're reading the scripture, you're studying it, and you see something you've never seen before. Is that, if that happens to you, you know, you, you've read it a hundred times, you've read it over and over and over again, and you've heard it, and now you see something you didn't see before, that's the indwelling Holy Spirit teaching you. One of the most wonderful things about being around new believers is this very typical, very common, ravenous hunger for God's Word. Unusual. Amazing, really. It's marvelous to see. There was a fellow in, in, uh, in Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, where we were for a number of years, who came to Christ uh, just days before, weeks before, and, he, and this, he's experiencing this new Christian life. He called me on the phone one time. He wanted to know, is this, is this going to wear off? Is this, i got things to do. <laughs> I've got, you know, he said, I came from, from church today. He called me on a Sunday night. He came, I came home from church today, and I, I, I just sat down. I thought, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going I'm to read the Bible. And he said, and then, I, you know, next thing I know, it's dark, and it's 9 o'clock, and I haven't eaten. Is this going to... You know this. You know the lawn needs mowing. That everything needs. I, is it, tell me, is this going to wear down a little bit? Is this going to back off? It's a. It's an amazing thing to see, but it's quite common. You know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit newly taken up residence in somebody. And this this person is like drinking. He's he's been. He hasn't never had it before. And he's like drinking from a fire hose and he's saying, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. If you don't have any idea of what I'm talking about in any of these things, you know, that ravenous hunger for God's word or that, that feeling of, uh, of having been fed when you, fed spiritually when you hear it taught and it's right and it's good, or, or the, that appetite for it, that appetite for having it, you wanting it. If you don't have any idea about those things, if you don't know what it is to be thirsty for God's Word, if you just can't relate, you know what the, the fix is? Come to Christ. <laughs> Become a believer in Christ. Become a Christian. And the Holy Spirit, here's the promise, the Holy Spirit will come to reside in you, will indwell you, and He will begin to teach you because that is what He does. He will guide us into truth. He will enable us to, to discern error. He will give us that appetite for it that want to for it. It happens. That's what he does. The T in tag is for teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. The A, it, it helps us remember that the Holy Spirit assures us. He assures us. 
The most famous, the most clear passage is Romans 8, 15, 16. Here, here it is. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery, their spirit again. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's the, that's the biggest one. You know, that's the, that's the big passage about it, clear. But it comes up again. I'll read a couple. 1 John 3, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given. Same thing. Not as sharp, not as clear about that point. Same, same book, 1 John, next chapter, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. What is it about you, if you're here as a Christian this morning, that allows you to think of and approach as a loving father the eternal God Almighty who created everything there is, who upholds the universe by the power of his will, before whom all the nations, Psalm says, are as nothing, and to whom a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. That's who he is. What is it that allows you to come to him and, as a child to a father? What amazing creatures you Christians are. By your own admission, by the teaching of your holy book, your God is not one of those tribal entities who just has to manage his own village, right? just the village where you live. Or it's not just one of those, those uh, deities that uh, is over your clan or even just your own nature and nation. He's over all of, all of everything. Everything in the universe, everything in history, all of reality, all peoples everywhere and at every time. And he's over, by your admission, and you all know this, he is over realms of reality that you and I have only the faintest idea of. And yet, you dare to approach this God with your, your small requests that can have no impact whatsoever on the grand scheme of things. What does it matter with his concerns? <laughs> what, what can it matter in the, in the management of the universe whether we live or whether we die? Or whether someone else we care about lives or dies? And how much less can it matter if we're if you're rich or you're poor or if you get the job you want or if your marriage is a happy one or if reality aligns itself with your desires in this detail or that. Not, not everybody here lives in Oak Ridge but no matter where you live you probably couldn't get the mayor on the phone. And yet, you boldly go before the throne of the entire universe 
And your own scripture asks, when I look at your heavens, when the, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? That's Psalm 8. And there you go. Casting all your cares on him because you believe he cares for you. You, you probably recognize that as a Bible verse, First Peter 5. But ironically and amazingly, that isn't, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you, that isn't one of those verses that Christians find difficult to, to believe, to live, to act on. It's, it's really, for most of us, it's settled deep into your spirit, isn't it? You're quite comfortable with it. It isn't one of those things you read in the Bible saying, oh boy, I wish I understood that. That's a problem. That's a problem to me. No. You, you do not find it a stretch to cry out, Abba, Father. Lord, help me here. I mean, I know it doesn't make any difference with the history of the universe, but Lord, help me deal with this problem or help me deal with this person <laughs> or help me deal with this, this situation. Deliver me from this present distress. And that confidence, that assurance that God is not only intimately acquainted with all the details of your life, but that he's actually interested in them and not only that, invested in them, that he desires the best for you, that he loves you personally, that sense that you have, that's really baseline for you. It's baseline for you. It's, it's, it's a bottom line. You just embrace it quite, I won't say naturally, because it's second nature, it's new nature, <laughs> that you are the child, a child of the living God. And you can approach him like a, like a child does a father with complete trust, complete openness, complete confidence in his love for you. That comes from the Holy Spirit who indwells you. Because that's what it says. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, assures our spirit that we are children of God. Would you believe me if I told you that when each of our children learned to talk, the first thing they said to me was, and what shall I call you? How would you like to be addressed? And I said, the right Reverend Bunn will do. Well, you shouldn't believe that. <laughs> because that's not how it works, and that's not how it was, and that's not how it ever works. To my children, from day one, I have always been dad, which is very close to what is conveyed by that Abba. Abba, Father. If they called me Chris, I would be offended. If they called me Pastor or Mr. Bunn, I would be hurt. If they really did call me the right Reverend Bunn, I would think they're making fun of me. <laughs> the 
people that led me to Christ call me the right Reverend Bun sometimes, but they do it for that very reason, to keep me in my place. <laughs> no, they, the children, our children, they all did and do call me dad, and it is, it's a short little word, right? D-A-D, three letters, but it's a big word. It conveys a lot. It's a loaded term, just like the other one, M-O-M. That's loaded, too, with content. There's a lot packed into it. And every time it's uttered, it, it references. It's all bound up in the word that uh, a special and unique and close and intimate relationship. And if you have that with God... Not that you would call God dad. Not that. I don't mean that. But I mean that you you instinctively, and like I say, not by nature, but by second nature, by new nature, call upon God as a loving father, as a son or a daughter approaching a loving father who's you're confident in it and you and you you're personally and he's personally and fully invested in your well being. That confidence, that assurance uh, comes from the Holy Spirit who indwells. The Son gave us access to God. But it's the Spirit who makes God Almighty feel approachable to us. He gives us the boldness to go before the throne of grace. He assures us that we are His children and He's our Father. In the same way, just like with uh, teaching, ministry of the Holy Spirit, you see what the fruit is for drawing closer, for yielding. And at the same time, if you don't have any of that, if you can't relate at all, if God is nothing more than a, than a theory or an idea or if he's or, or if he's just distant and he's not available and he's unapproachable and he's not a person he doesn't seem to you feel to you like a like a person that you're in a in a father child relationship with him as the father yours you as the child if that's really the case you don't have it, you never have had it. Be become his son or daughter. By adoption, through faith in Jesus Christ, and the indwelling Holy Spirit will give you a sense of that relationship because the Word teaches that is what He does. His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives your spirit a sense that you are a child of God. And once again, if you're there but you have trouble with this, that's, where, that's what drawing closer, being more yielded, will. that's one of the fruits it will bring you. A greater assurance. A greater comfort. A greater boldness. And finally, the indwelling Holy Spirit guides us. 
And there's going to be more to say here that than can be said in the in a, the few minutes that remain. So I'm just going to I'm going to leave some things unsaid. We'll 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 be here for a week or two, but I don't want to scare you. We're not going to be here for a week or two. <laughs> I mean, next Sunday and maybe the one after, we'll we'll kind of follow up on this. But I just, just in the minutes that are left, the Holy Spirit's guidance, uh, just sketch out some broad parameters. The New Testament's teaching on guidance, is my understanding, can be laid out in three kind of categories. He guides us morally and spiritually by sanctifying us. He guides us into holiness. He guides us into righteousness. And he guides us specifically by directing us. And he guides us sovereignly by praying for us. The first category is not not often the one we're most interested in, but I but I'm really convinced that it's the one God is most interested in. The Holy Spirit guides us morally and spiritually by sanctifying us. He guides us into Christ likeness. The Spirit's fruit within us is what? The Spirit's fruit. The Holy Spirit's fruit within what he what does he produce? What does this indwelling Holy Spirit produce in us? Well, you know it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Does it not all have to do with character and with who we are, what we are like, the kind of person we are? In other words, it doesn't say the whole, you know, last week I said, you know, it doesn't say the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, you know, uh, thrills, spiritual thrills, emotional experiences, you know, falling over on a stage, you know, it doesn't say things like that. And it also, it doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is happy times and no troubles and avoiding every pothole. And It doesn't say that either. It's, it's, it has to do with our character, with what we are like morally, spiritually. It's about being Christ-like. I think that's top tier. I mean, that's my personal opinion, but just look at the weight of the New Testament passages. That's top tier of what the Holy Spirit's up to in His guiding us. He's guiding us into holiness, into maturity, into Christ-likeness. And that's the positive side of the Spirit's guidance. The negative side in this area is the Spirit's conviction. And if you're in Christ, more than 10 minutes, you know the experience. Well, I won't say more than 10 minutes, so you really know that <laughs> if, you, if you're fresh. But you, you know this experience. The Holy Spirit shines His light on something in your life, something about your life, and impresses upon you the sinfulness of it, the wrongness of it, the inappropriateness of it, and to drive you to confession, to repentance, and, and sanctification. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and you've got a friend that lives within you. In the Holy Spirit. He lets you know what's next in the divine reclamation project that you are. The Bible tells us we are being transformed, passive voice, We're not transforming ourselves. We are being transformed into the same image of Christ from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
I think every Christian, every Christian, every real Christian, bona fide Christian, has, has an idea at any time in their lives, like right now, what it is, where it is, that the Holy Spirit is pressing. What are the front burner issues between me and the Holy Spirit in terms of my sanctification, in terms of my becoming like Christ? I think if, if, if everybody thinks of that honestly, just to, I think Christians know whether it's, whether it's lust or whether it's jealousy or anger or trusting God about a difficult circumstances or unforgiveness or whatever it is, Christians know within themselves what it is that the Holy Spirit is bothering them about right now in this season of life. We may not think of this aspect of the Holy Spirit's indwelling work as a guidance, but that's what it is. That's what it is. It's guiding us. He's guiding us into Christ-likeness. That's enough for now. But the second kind of category of guidance. This is the one we care. This is the one we tend care to most about. It's the specific guidance. Uh, the Holy Spirit's priorities aside, just because it might not be, you know, He's more concerned about this other. It doesn't mean that this isn't real or it's not important. Because it is real and it is important. But by specific guidance, I'm thinking about the decisions we face. We want to decide well. We want to decide rightly. Should I marry this person or that or none at all? Uh, should I take this job or that? Should I buy a car now or wait till the wheels fall off of the one I'm driving? You know, what, what do I, Lord, what do I do? What do I do in this situation or that? We, we need to, this is where we'll unpack future weeks, but we'll, we need to consider closely uh, that, so that we maintain a place for biblical wisdom while recognizing that the Holy Spirit does direct His people in specific ways. And when we look at the Bible, we see some extraordinary instances, which, like this one, Acts 13, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul, uh, Saul, rather, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Boy, what a worship service that would have been to be a part of, wouldn't it? The church is worshiping and praying, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart these two guys. Wow. On, on several occasions. I, and, I, and I tend to think that's extraordinary. That's one of the reasons it's in the Bible the way it is. This wasn't every Sunday. On several occasions, I have promised this church that if I ever stand before you and say, God told me, and then fill in the blank. I have promised that you can believe that's exactly what I think happened. In other words, I will not exaggerate, as some do. I promise not to use language that makes you think that an audible voice of some kind, or even not audible, but speaking in sentences, uh, you know, that, that that happened when my actual experience was something less than that.
but under the heading of the Spirit's specific guidance, we also have to leave a, a, a wide berth for guidance that is not exactly like those extraordinary instances uh, of verbal revelation, but more along the lines of how the Spirit assures us, right? We just said that. And how the Spirit teaches us. And along the lines of how He convicts us of our sin. You know, I talked about teaching today and assurance today and conviction today. And, and I think every Christian here kind of, yeah, yeah, I know it, I know it, I've experienced it. But I'll bet for almost all of you it wasn't like in something audible, verbal. You didn't have a time where God said to you, you would say, honestly, that God spoke to you in an audible voice, you are my son, you are my daughter. Or conviction of sin, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't this kind of audible experience where that's wrong. <laughs> it's, a, it, it, it's, a, it's a sense, typically, more typically. It's a definite sense that a conviction has come from God. It's, it didn't come from me. So this kind of leading comes to us as a definite sense of the Lord's will. A sense, they'll say, that, that, that this, from my perspective, this is the right thing. This is really right. This is what should be taught to this congregation this Sunday. Uh, a sense, also from my experience, a sense that I should linger with a particular patient or resident at NHC because this conversation is about to become very spiritually significant. I should hang here for a few minutes. When we were looking to buy this building, I knew with a confidence that didn't come from me that it would happen. I couldn't get worried about it. I couldn't make myself real. I knew that I knew that I knew, and it wasn't from me. I, I, I think of, uh, I didn't say I was going to mention beforehand, but I think of David and Angie Huey having a, having a sense that they should look in Oak Ridge for a home without really knowing why. Just for example, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Well, let me finish. And, and we, we want to pull that, we want to explore more about that. But I'll finish by saying the Spirit guides us sovereignly by praying for us. What, what an extraordinary verse, verse this is, Romans 8.26. I don't think we would have ever known this if it wouldn't be for this verse. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What an amazing thing. We pray amiss, and the, inter and the, and the Holy Spirit indwelling in us intercedes with prayers that, uh, that are right. doesn't match our prayers, but it matches what we really need, what the Lord's will is for us. And you think, well, but how is this guidance, though? How can it be guidance if I don't even know what it is? You know, I'm praying one thing, the Holy Spirit's praying something else. How is that guidance? Yeah, I'm not even in the loop. Well, it's guidance in this way. When we ask amiss, the Holy Spirit asks a right 
Do you, whose prayer do you think prevails? Who, uh, we're focused on prayers for aligning reality with our short-term interests, our desires, our preferences in mind. You're like, I want this, I want that. I want this to work out well. I want that to work out well. I want this to be short. I want that to be long. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is asking for what we really need. Whose prayer prevails? In other words, here's the guidance part of it, the sovereign guidance. Don't you think that sometimes where we wind up, the situations we find ourselves in, are not answers to our prayers, but to the prayers of the indwelling Holy Spirit who knows better, who knows best. The Spirit guides sovereignly by praying for us. So, once again, if the Spirit... Well, I'll say two things. One, this is, this is going to be a fruit of yielding more, <laughs> of being uh, more welcoming of the Spirit's influence in your life, right? And on the other hand, if you don't know what in the world I'm talking about, you never had a sense that seemed felt like it came from God that what you're doing here is wrong, the way you're living is wrong. Or you never had a sense that God really wants you to do something specific. You know, like talk to this person, that person. You know, you never, you, you don't know what that, what are you talking about? If, if it really, if you really don't know what that is about, and if you really are on your own morally and spiritually, specifically every other way, come to Christ. <laughs> and one of the things God does is give the Holy Spirit to reside in you and he will guide you in these ways because that's what he does. It's what the Lord promised he would do and that's what he does. All right. Father in heaven, uh, the Lord Jesus said it was to our advantage that we that he leave this earth and send the Holy Spirit. And it's, that seems difficult for us, but because we love the Lord we haven't seen and we long to see him face to face. But we thank you for the Spirit who makes his home in every believer in Jesus. Thank you for his teaching ministry. May we make the most of it in the days you give us. Thank you for the assurance that we are your sons and daughters by adoption through faith in Christ. And thank you for the guidance of the Spirit that we might live in a way that's pleasing to you and useful for your purposes in our lives. Increase the faith of the believing and let faith spring up in any who have been unbelieving but are now willing to trust in Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand please and join us as we sing Grace Greater Than Our Sin. Thank you.